Good morning, beloved church. There's been a scripture sighting. It's in the book of John, chapter 16, verses 1 through 5a, and then skipping to 31 through 33. John 16, 1 through 5, 31 through 33. This is the NIV. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Verse 31. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. Good morning. So when our children left home, we replaced them with dogs. We have three dogs now, and I don't, don't want to be judgmental, but they've got some bad habits, okay? One of which is they bark and howl. And they're a lot like people, in fact, because if one of them gets all anxious about something, starts to bark and starts to howl, the other two will pick it up, and we'll just have a little howl fest for a few minutes. And there's pretty much nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can clap your hands. That worked once, I think. Uh, you can yell at them. That doesn't work very well. You pretty much let them howl out. And that's just, again, not to be judgmental, but it's a problem. So um, one, of the, one of the times when they do this is when I leave the house. And, you know, I can understand that, me leaving and everything. But they get all riled up and they bark and they howl. I'll, I'll lock the door and before I get to the car, I can hear them howling. Occasionally I hear Gail yelling too. Still doesn't do any good. And so I've decided what I need to do is prepare them. And so before I leave now, I say, okay, daddy's going to work. I'll be gone a little while. Today I get to come home for lunch. It's going to be okay. You don't need to howl. And that way I get to the car before they start howling. You know, that didn't do a whole lot of good. Interestingly, they didn't do it this morning. I think they knew I was going to talk about them in the sermon. But the reason I mention that is that we're a little bit like them on that howling, barking, anxiety thing. And the other reason I mention it is I think that's what's going on in John 16. In John 16, Jesus is leaving. And he doesn't want us barking and howling. He wants us to have peace. And so he speaks to us and he tells us some things so that we might have peace. And as I've mentioned already in this series, we want that, don't we? Uh, don't you yearn for peace? Even if you've made peace with God, 
And even if you know, as we talked about last week, peace is found in me, in Jesus, there's still some doing that needs to be done before we assimilate that peace into our hearts. And so today again, and for the next few weeks, I want us to listen, based especially on that chapter 16, verse 33, to see what we can do to assimilate more of the peace of Jesus. Now today, it's going to have to do with expectations. Um, expectations are so important because if you have the wrong expectations, it can lead to all kinds of turmoil. Uh, you can get upset. You can get discouraged. You can get disillusioned. Um, I, I'm going to assume a lot of us have flown on airplanes and if you have, you know what to expect. If you haven't, I strongly recommend you talk to somebody who has flown and let them prepare you for what to expect. Uh, it seems very glamorous. It's not. Especially post 9-11, if you remember what it was like before or if you knew what it was like before, uh, the check-in is long and slow and thorough, okay? And then there's all these people around and you get on the plane and you're crammed together and everybody's vying for the good baggage spots and then you buckle in and then the person in the window seat has to go to the bathroom and you've got to get up and then you start to hear noises and if you've flown, you're okay with it but if you're not, if you haven't, you may not be okay with it. My brother flew with some of his friends to Africa and they had one guy with them who had never flown before. And so every time they heard any noise, they would say, what was that? What's going on? You know, the bell for the seat, seat belts would go off. What was that? And the, and the landing gear, what was that? Well, my point is, if you know to expect those things, they're not going to bother you so much. But if you don't know to expect those things, it may put you in turmoil. And it may rob you of your peace. And I think what Jesus is doing in John 16 is he's trying to prepare us to know what to expect when he leaves so that we can have peace. So that key verse again is John 16 and verse 33. And in the verse, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he says, if you've got a note sheet and you're filling in blanks, he says the first thing to expect is trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, I've read the rest of the verse. If you've got your Bible open, you know the rest of the verse. We're going to get to that next week. Please come back next week because there's a really good line there. But for today, I want us to focus on what to expect. And I'm, I'm calling this normal Christian life. This is what is normal. Expect this. And the first thing is expect trouble. Now, we know that, right? I mean, we experience it all the time. But there's still some of us, like me, 
We have a hard time getting that through our thick heads because we think things ought to go right. I've told you that several times before. I've got this thing in me that thinks things ought to go right. And right, to be clear, means how I want them to go. In a way that's convenient and pleasant for me, that would be just fine. But of course they don't do that. But I think they ought to. And so I get frustrated. And it does rob me of my peace. You may know that there is a strand of Christian teaching that says that if you believe in Jesus, you're going to get rich. I mean, it's pretty crass. It's very material, and it's not true. And I hope you know that it's not true. And the best way to know that it's not true is that Jesus was the most godly person ever to walk the earth And he was poor. Okay, so if godliness leads to wealth, there's something really wrong there. So don't expect that. Expect trouble instead because trouble is going to happen. Now, there are some good things that happen, of course. God is kind and he blesses us. He answers some of our prayers, but not all of our prayers, right? And he gives us some good things, but he does not shield us from all the bad things. There will be pesky little annoyances. There will be minor illnesses. Brandon already mentioned the allergies. That's going to happen. There's going to be serious illnesses. And there's going to be death. I mean, we pray for people and they recover sometimes, but not always. And eventually, we're all going to die, right? We're not, we're not spared from that just because we're following Jesus. I know God oversees all that. Remember Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. Hang on to that one. Uh, and and I, th- I think maybe one of the reasons God allows us to go through these things is to remind us that this is not our final destination. Uh, how many of you have ever visited somewhere and said, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. Right? Uh, West Texas... Anybody? West Texas? Uh, New York? New York? No? Am I the? Well, I'm not going to try to guess what it is for you. But I think God wants us to know that planet Earth is a nice place to visit, but you don't want to live here permanently. And our troubles will remind us of that. So, normal Christian life entails trouble. So when it happens, don't let that rob you of your peace. The second one, if you're filling in the note sheet, that second blank is persecution. Normal Christian life includes persecution. Now, verse 33 sounds good, and you get peace just from hearing it. 
Um, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Just hearing that gives you some peace. But there's more to it than just hearing verse 33. Because verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And a number of months ago, I was asking myself, what things? What things did he tell us that we might have peace? I want that. What did he tell us? And I think you have to read before. And I got to wondering, well, how far should I back up? How long has he been talking about these things that might give us peace? And the answer to that is I don't know for sure. I suspect it's two or three chapters. But for this series, I'm just going to, I'm covering the, the things, the these things in chapter 16 that he said when he was leaving to prepare us so that we might have peace. So back up to 16.1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. He's concerned. He's leaving. He doesn't want us howling. He doesn't want us barking. And he sure doesn't want us to fall away. And you know, that happens sometimes with Christians. They become Christians and they think, Jesus is going to take all my problems away. Well, it's, it's not quite like that. But if that's what you expect and then he doesn't take all your problems away, you may think, this doesn't work. I'm giving up on this. And so he tells us what to expect. Verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. See, that's why he's doing this. So that when it happens, we'll remember, oh, Jesus said it was going to be like this. This must be normal Christian life. And then we don't lose our peace over it. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And he wants us to know what to expect. And another one of those things is persecution. Now we know that in other parts of the world there is horrific persecution of Christians. And we need to be aware of that and feel some connection with those people. I mean, there are people getting tortured and murdered for their faith. Uh, But I always feel the need to focus more on us. What about you and me? Uh, Should we expect persecution too? You know, there's a bunch of Bible verses that seem to be saying, yes, we should. I listed some on the sheet. In Matthew 10, if they call me the devil, how much more are they going to call you the devil? That's what Jesus said. Romans 8, 17, we're heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ if we suffer with him. And then the one that is crystal clear is 2 Timothy 3.12. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be 
persecuted. I don't see how you can argue with that. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I think we can expect persecution. I don't know for sure about you, but the persecution I've endured has not been severe, especially when you compare to the rest of the world. Um, I've been made fun of a few times, and a couple of those times, I think it was actually because of my faith. You know, sometimes they make fun of us for other things, but I've been made fun of. Um, And perhaps you've been left out because of your faith. They didn't invite you along because they thought your faith might ruin whatever they were doing. Maybe someone has shown prejudice against you or made assumptions about you. Maybe you didn't get a promotion because of your faith. So there's some things that can happen. But for most of us, it's not real severe. But what I think is that if we lived more godly lives and spoke God's truth more openly, we would get more persecution. Because a godly life convicts people of their own sin and they have a tendency to lash out at the one that is convicting them. And not everybody appreciates God's truth. And so if we speak God's truth, some people are going to lash out against that. The Bible says the gospel is an offense. It's an offense. And it's not just because of its goriness. It's also because the message of the gospel includes the fact that you're not good enough. And there's nothing you can do about it. you got to rely on God. And a lot of us don't like hearing we're not good enough and there's nothing we can do about it. And so people tend to persecute those who bring that kind of message. And I, I just feel like if we lived more godly lives and spoke God's truth more openly, we would get more. But I do want to make crystal clear, it's not our attitude that should incur the persecution. The persecution should become because of our lives and because of the message that we speak, not because of some self-righteous attitude If you go putting your hands on your hip and saying, well, y'all shouldn't be acting like that. It's not very Christian. Then I may punch you in the mouth. You know, I may persecute you a little bit. But you get no credit for that. That's not persecution for righteousness sake. That's persecution for self-righteousness sake. And I want to make real clear that it's not our attitude that should convict people and make them persecute us. It's our lives and our words. And I know you got to wrestle with when it's time to speak truth and how to speak truth. And you got to pray about that. But at some point you do have to speak it. And that's going to lead to some persecution. The third thing we can expect if you're filling in the blanks is sin. We can expect sin. 
I got to explain that one. Uh, Certainly that includes other people sinning. Should be terribly shocked when someone you know sins, even Christians, even mature Christians, uh, shouldn't be shocked if we suffer sometimes because of other people's sins. But the verse from which I got this point is not about other people's sins. It's about our own sins. Let me show you. Look at verse 31. John 16, 31. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home. That's more the persecution. You will leave me all alone. That's the sin. On the night that the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, his followers ended up scattering, i.e. deserting Jesus. Look at it from Jesus' point of view. They left him all alone in his most difficult hour. Now he goes on to say, Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. But you can feel the sadness of his words. You will leave me all alone. And then immediately after that, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And it sounds like he's saying, I want you to know in advance that you're going to blow it. And I don't want that to rob you of your peace. Now, if you're a perfectionist, and I have those tendencies, you need to hear that. You're not going to be perfect. But really, I don't think we're talking about not being perfect, as if we make a 95 instead of a 100. Based on the example he gives of deserting Jesus... I think he's saying you can expect to make a big, fat F. Sometimes you're going to blow it royally. And when that happens, don't beat yourself up. Don't say, I'm a failure, I shouldn't even try. Don't say, I can never be good enough. And by all means, don't abandon your faith. Because Jesus knew that was going to happen. And he tried to prepare us for it. And I do think there's a little struggle that we've got to wrestle with here. And that is on the one hand, sin is inevitable. On the other hand, sin is serious. Since Jesus said it was inevitable, and since he is gracious... There's a tendency sometimes for people to say, shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? There's a tendency to think that sin is no big deal. But actually, this verse is a pretty good verse for showing how big of a deal it is because in this verse, you see that sin entails faithlessness, not being faithful to Jesus, not being loyal to Jesus. Sin is not like violating section 47.9C 
of the Internal Revenue Service Code. Sin is not like violating some impersonal law. Sin is personal. Sin is like abandoning Jesus and leaving him alone. And you say, that's not what I was thinking. I just got caught up and really wanted to do whatever it was. But it is personal to Jesus. Sin is disloyalty. It's faithlessness to Jesus. And that's serious. And so we've got to find some way to hold those in check and balance. Sin is inevitable, but sin is serious. And so I want to read 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 5. And you may want to read this or jot it down and read it later all the way through chapter 2, verse 2, because this is a really good section for giving us balance between the inevitability of sin and the seriousness of sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. God is good. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I think that's pretty serious. Verse 7, back. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now notice that walking in the light still leaves you with some sin that needs to be purified. So it's inevitable, but he does want us to walk in the light. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us, because sin is inevitable. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's serious, but it's forgivable. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Sin is inevitable. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. He wants us to not sin. It's inevitable, but he wants us to not sin. But if anybody does sin, because it's inevitable, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I want you to know that sin is inevitable. It's serious. And when you do it, take it to Jesus because he is a propitiation for our sins, an atoning sacrifice for our sins, and it can be forgiven. And don't just throw up your hands and give up. And so Jesus tells us these things to help us know what to expect so that we're not robbed of our peace. At the bottom of the sheet, we're starting to fill in the acronym, another acronym I'm giving you. Peace may be found in Christ. In me, you may have peace. 
and every believer can expect trouble, persecution, and sin. After college, Gail and I went to a training program in St. Louis, Missouri, that was designed to train us to live the Christian life and to go start a new church. And the program was pretty good, but it wasn't perfect. And there was trouble. Uh, Sometimes people didn't show up on time. Sometimes we'd go on trips and the van would break down. Sometimes people didn't follow through with what they meant to do, but they just didn't get it done. And every time something like that would happen, the leaders of the program would say, yeah, that's that's part of the training. Tongue-in-cheek. But really kind of so, right? Because the program was just like real life is, and that is trouble is going to happen. Opposition is going to happen. Sin is going to happen. And I've experienced some degree of all of that as you have as well. And so it's really important for us to remember that Jesus said that's normal Christian life. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs, but the roller coaster has not left the rails. That's the way it's supposed to be, and we need to expect that. And if we do, we won't be robbed of our peace. So if you've got some stuff going on, or if you've got some wrong expectations, and you want to talk to a shepherd or his wife, or if you want to pray with them, they'll be at the back right now, and you can catch them while we stand and sing.